Do dead people return and speak to or guide those who are living? We'll talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Dorothy Catlin is our co-host, our guest co-host again, because Earl Erskine has been unable to be with us. And again, we want to thank you, Thanks. Dorothy, for coming. And we love your input. We love your <laughs> your um, wisdom in uh, many of these issues that we face. And you are familiar with some of it because you work with uh, and amongst the Mormon people as well. Um, now, on October 6th, we released a program uh, of 2021, we released a program entitled 10 Scandalous Quotes on Polygamy, and the link to that show is on the screen. A viewer responded to that program with this comment. This was one of my favorite episodes. I always learn so much. I think as a mainline Mormon, I also learned doublespeak. It's amazing how much I kept secret without even knowing it. One thing that I'm fascinated with is how I heard and believed thousands of stories claiming that people had been visited by deceased family. Maybe you could go over why seeing the dead is so prevalent. It's unbiblical, too. I'm confused about how this happened. Thanks for doing these videos. Well, we're glad that we're able to shed some light on things like this and answer the questions of our viewers. So this time we're going to talk about necromancy people in Mormonism who see the dead. Now, we've discussed Joseph Smith's necromancy in the past, and at the risk of being redundant, we will answer our viewers' request and bring some new information into our discussion. Now, we know that religious people who have had these visitations from the dead will deny that their experiences were anything but good. And what we say today will more than likely be rejected and ignored simply because people place the value of their experiences above God's word. When God says don't do something, he's serious and there's no easy way to misinterpret something that God says not to do. Her question about the living being visited by the dead is called necromancy. It's not new. These kinds of visitations have been going on since way back in Old Testament times. We went to the online dictionary for our viewers' sake and got the definition of necromancy. Okay, necromancy, a method of divination through alleged communication with the dead, a black art. Magic in general, especially that practiced by a witch or sorcerer, sorcery, witchcraft, conjuration. Okay. Those so that's what necromancy is. It's a rich definition. It's very <laughs> good. Very good. And my Bible dictionary was shorter in its explanation, and it said, inquiring of the dead, a spiritist, which kind of sums everything you just set up into those uh, two phrases. Now, these kinds of spiritual experiences are common in Mormonism, both Mormon fundamentalists and people from the LDS Church. And they have had uh, many visitations and stories of visitations from the dead. Mormon founder Joseph Smith said this about communication with the dead. The greatest responsibility in this world that God has laid upon us is to seek after our dead. Really? Where he got that from is anyone's guess. Uh, what about loving one another? What about believing in Jesus? Mm -hmm. Like I can think of 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's countless. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, yeah. and strength is the first. Countless and great greatest. responsibilities come to mind. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, amen. That's right. Uh, and so he didn't get this from the Bible, and God didn't yeah. make new revelation yeah. to him about it. That's for sure, because it's not anywhere, and God doesn't con- contradict Himself. In fact, the Bible informs us that God has prohibited that very thing, and we quote. Well, this is from Deuteronomy. There are a number of places, but this mm-hmm. is Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 12. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And then Leviticus 19.31 says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them. Do not be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So we have some descriptive words there. Abomination, being defiled from them, by them, and, and, and not, don't do it, he said. Don't do it because he, he booted them out of the land right. because they were doing it. Now, some people, some especially from the LDS Church, have responded, well, we don't seek them out. These experiences happen. They are seeking us out. They come to us. But baptizing people for dead, for the dead, sealing living people to dead people is seeking out the dead. It's not only dead works. It's pursuing the spiritual world of which God has prohibited. Doing rituals for the dead is nothing less than setting out an open invitation to the demonic world. Uh, They erect special buildings. They build special baptismals and special altars to seal and work the living with the dead. That's an invitation. That's an open invitation. So their argument that they don't seek them out is in error. And besides that, Joseph Smith said they should seek them out. So their answer is wrong. Now, we quote a great analysis about this from the website Beggar's Bread. Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed this list. First, there's this little quote. Furthermore, in response to the Mormon claim that no pursuit or conjuring of the dead occurs, occurs in Mormonism, I would ask the reader to consider the fact that while no overt or direct conjuring occurs, the fact remains that all of the elements are still there. One, a sacred space set up where it's understood that the living can and will have encounters with the dead, Mormon temples. Mm -hmm. Two, a sacred ritual is practiced that facilitates such encounters as a byproduct or, if you prefer, a side effect. Proxy, ba- proxy baptism in Mormon temples. Mm-hmm. Three, practitioners are told by their leaders to expect such encounters as a result of said practice. Quote, the veil is thin between those who hold the priesthood and divine messengers on the other side of the veil. David O. McKay in the conference report of April 1948. And four, practitioners report such encounters. How does that not, in fact, meet the criteria for pursuing communication with the dead? That is necromancy, conjuring. It exactly is. It exactly is. Very good analysis, I think. And to top it all off, they actually do invite these visitors from the dead, as seen by this invitation from their leader, Russell Nelson. We quote, Our message to the world is simple and sincere. We invite all of God's children on both sides of the veil to come unto their Savior, receive the blessings of the Holy Temple, have enduring joy, and qualify for eternal life. 
children on both sides of the veil. It's appalling. The dead. It's terrifying. And the living. It is terrifying. Actually, it is. So the invitation indeed is seeking after the dead. Mm -hmm. And God totally, completely, and repeatedly, and irrevocably prohibits such things. Joseph Smith encouraged necromancy, despite God's repeated prohibition of it. Here's another Bible verse. This is Leviticus 20, 27. A man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. That's serious. That's it a is. capital that's, crime. That's a capital punishment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one who is a familiar spirit is referring to communication with the dead. Now, the Old Testament warns that any worship that isn't to the true God, which means the God of the Bible, is the worship, actually, of demons. Deuteronomy 32.17 says, They sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. We have some from Psalms. Mm -hmm. Psalm 106, 36 to 39 says, They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Wow. And 1 Corinthians 10, 20, Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. They think they're serving God, mm -hmm. and they're not. And then Revelation 9, 20 through 21 says, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual morality or their thefts. Now, there's numerous passages in the Bible on this topic, and we couldn't, of course, uh, bring them all out. But every one of them has the same message. Don't do it. Jesus said that God seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and when we compare the Bible truths to Mormonism, we find a terrible lack of truth in the Mormon faith. Now, how many thousands, how many even, I thought about this one night, how many millions, aggregate millions of hours are spent by people, members of Mormonism? Because some of the polygamous groups also do this. How many hours have been sent, spent working for dead people? The, the, doing what God has condemned. Mm -hmm. now, now, what about the spiritual experiences that they have and visitations of the dead that people in Mormonism claim to have? They do have them. Of course they do. We know that, they're, that, that they truly are having these experiences. But are they just you know, results of a hyperactive imagination or the outworking of heightened emotions? Recently, I heard a comment that most people don't think. They just feel. Immediately, I thought about those in polygamy who feel that what they're doing is God's work. They just feel it's right. They feel that it's righteous or that they're leader is righteous and godly. They just feel it, but they never check it out. And God has given us the measurement so that we can accurately check out for truth. And the validity of our feelings or experiences must be determined by the Bible. We don't determine um, biblical validity by our experiences. In other words, God's word is truth. 
if so, we and, and if we have an experience that the Bible does not validate, instead of ignoring the Bible, our experiences must be ignored. Because Jesus said, God's word is truth. And we have to learn to interpret our experiences according to what God has said, mm-hmm. rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. My experience says, so God must have meant. Mm-hmm. You know, but to learn to evaluate what we are experiencing by what God has said. Uh, that's a huge difference between... Mm-hmm. And, and it can be it can be kind of difficult for people who are not used to using God's word to validate right. and who's for whom experience and feelings are the validation of truth exactly yeah. exactly okay we have a quote from uh, the presidency of the 70 yeah elder J e Jensen presidency of the 70 said this I cite a significant experience and wise counsel from President Wilford Woodruff. In his travels, he reported that Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and other early church leaders appeared to him. On one occasion, Brigham Young, who had died three years earlier, appeared to him. When we arrived at our destination, I asked President Young if he would preach to us. He said, no, I've finished my testimony in the flesh. I shall not talk to this people anymore. But, said he, I have come to see you. I've come to watch over you and to see what the people are doing. Then he said, I want you to teach the people, and I want you to follow this counsel yourself, that they must labor and so live as to obtain the Holy Spirit. For without this, you cannot build up the kingdom. Without the Spirit of God, you are in danger of walking in the dark and in danger of failing to accomplish your calling as apostles and elders in the church and the kingdom of God. So the experience that Wilfred Woodruff claimed to have was not Brigham Young. But it was a familiar spirit, spirit. Mm -hmm. divine, defined as necromancy. But how do we know this? God told us. Well, this is a collection of, this is your interesting passages that you've chosen here, Doris. Two from Job, Job 14 and 12. So man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. Men will not awake or be roused from their sleep. He's talking about the dead. Uh, he's talking about the dead. Well, it's a little clearer here in, in Job 16, 22. He says, only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. They don't come back. Right? So those are, I mean, Job is poetry, right? But he's talking clearly about mm-hmm. death. Absolutely. And then Ecclesiastes 9, 5 to 6 says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. And under the sun is on this earth. On this earth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. under the daily sunrise, sunset. Mm-hmm. Isaiah twenty six fourteen says, They're now dead. They live no more. Those departed spirits do not rise. Okay, so now what? How do we take all these? Are, are they literal? <laughs> are they misinterpreted? I mean, you can't misinterpret That's something this simple. It's pretty clear. <laughs> now, we can know from these and other verses, but these are good ones, and we should know the dead do not return, period. God has forbidden communication with the dead because the Bible says they don't come back. So who are we communicating with? Therefore, any spiritual communication is not with our dead relative or loved one or whomever, but with demonic experiences or our own emotions or imaginative at work, imaginations at work. Now remember... Satan's goal is deception, and he is very, very good at it. And an and almost identical experience that he that Wilfred Woodruff said uh, had is recorded in First Samuel, 
when King Saul went to a spiritist who conjured up the spirit of dead Samuel, the prophet Samuel, King Saul was condemned and rejected by God for seeking out the dead. We quote, First Chronicles 10, 13 and 14. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance, but he did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he killed him. Ooh. That's the amazing thing to me, that even Saul would have chosen to go to a medium instead of straight to the living straight to God. God. Why would you go to a spirit? when you can talk to God himself. Amen. It makes no sense. It doesn't. It, and God is, God, he knows everything. Uh, he's the living God. Yeah, he's he's the not the God, God of the dead. Jesus said he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Amen. Good point. Good point. And so we read this in in in, in the Bible that, that Woodruff was repeating what almost what uh, King Saul did. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't afraid to it. Did he never read this? God, right. God killed Saul right. for this unfaithfulness. The Bible overflows with warnings like this against necromancy. Here's another one. Yeah, I love this one, Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards and whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Amen. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. And so, again, I've asked this question before. How many times does God have to say something before we'll believe <laughs> it? Right. Pay attention to Who it. Who would you consult, right? <laughs> right. When, when God speaks, do you listen? <laughs> yeah, but when the dead speak, they listen. Uh, apparently, Isn't that strange? That's very strange. Those who reject God's warning can easily be led into deeper deception. That's, that's mm -hmm. one of the th tragedies of this. And in a 1994 conference, Russell Nelson said this. This is appalling to me that this was a conference statement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And pretty recently, within the last 20-something years. Okay, so in 1844, Joseph Smith asked, What is this office and work of Elijah? The prophet promptly answered his own question. It is one of the greatest and most important subjects that God has revealed. This is the spirit of Elijah, that we redeem our dead and connect ourselves with our fathers which are in heaven. This is the power of Elijah and the keys of the kingdom of Jehovah. Some among us still have neither perceived the spirit of Elijah nor its power, yet we are bound by this warning. These are principles in relation to the dead and the living that cannot be lightly passed over, for their salvation is necessary and essential to our salvation. They without us cannot be made perfect, neither can we without our dead be made perfect. Where's Jesus? Uh, that, you know, that's what came to my mind. He says, this is the most important subject that God yeah. has revealed. Oh, really? Yeah. That we redeem our dead? Where's the redemption of Jesus? Exactly. And they can't be saved without us, and we can't be saved without them. Where's but, Jesus? Well, and that is a twist on what Hebrews says, right? That by that we stand in a long line of faith, right? Mm -hmm. And they are not made, their faith is not made perfect made without perfect. us. We're all drawn in because we all are saved by our faith in the, cross. In the promise of God that mm -hmm. was fulfilled at the cross. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a twist okay, on that. A big twist on that that's scripture. Right. And all this rhetoric about visitations for the dead and preachings, trying to save the dead. Like I said, there's no mention of Jesus. He's the Savior. <laughs> That's right. He's the Savior. 
They all use the, these all kinds of spiritual verbiage, but no glory to God, no worship of Jesus, no gratefulness that he alone is the Savior. It's all about us, we, ourselves. Uh, we, what we've excelled in doing will be exalted, will become gods in all of our works. Jesus' name may be in their church name, but Jesus is not there in their doctrine and his teachings they reject. To, in his talk, Nelson said that no mortal mind could have conceived the divine work of saving the dead. And no mortal mind could have conceived it. It would take an angel from heaven, one is who is described in the following verse. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen and 14. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And Galatians 1, 8-9 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Those are strong words. Powerful. That's a strong warning to anybody who wants to go a different way than what the Bible teaches. The gospel that Paul delivered to the Galatians was not the Mormon message. The pure gospel is salvation by grace through faith, not by works, based on what Jesus Christ did on Calvary, on the cross at Calvary. That's the only genuine, authentic gospel. Anything else is cursed. We need to remember something else Jesus said. Luke 6, 43-45, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. But a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And one of the bad fruits of Mormonism is necromancy. And it is because the Bible prohibits it. God has, has called it an abomination. Now, polygamists also embrace necromancy. This isn't just the LDS Church. This is all of Mormonism. And many of the polygamists have had and do have uh, demonic experiences. They even know that they're demonic. But they don't connect the dots. They believe that the demon's harassment is a proof that they're God's true church. Actually, it's a proof that they're not. Question. What would be left of Mormonism if they stopped all the works for the dead and all the activity that's associated or connected with it? What would be left of Mormonism? Not a lot. Not but very much. Good behavior and clean living. Not, that's right. That's about <laughs> it. Because their temples are, well, they're for marriages, right. but they're also for this baptism for the dead stuff. Now, as we said at the beginning of the program, we know that religious people who have had these spiritual visits from the dead will deny that their experiences were anything but good. What we've said here will likely be rejected and ignored simply because they place their experiences above God's word. When God says don't do something, he's serious, and there's no easy way to misinterpret what God says not to do. But God's word also has power. Power to help the skeptic, power to open the closed minds and the eyes that refuse to be opened. And as we close this topic, we want to remind our viewers of God's instructions in 1 John. 1 John 4, 5, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, 
whether they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. If any spiritual experience contradicts or opposes something that God has already said, you can know for a fact it's not from a good spirit, no matter how good it makes you feel. These kinds of problems have been going on for thousands of years. Listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 29, 8 and 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Okay, Jeremiah then, was written, what, 20, oh. 3,800 years ago? <laughs> Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. Listen to what Peter said. <laughs> but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Mm -hmm. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Listen to what Paul said. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And listen to what John wrote. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Can any experience, if you're in the Mormon religion, can any experience be valid even though it poses all those warnings we just read written by God written by God, prophets of God now God doesn't obviously doesn't want us to be deceived all the warnings are there and the the test and the test the way to test them. what is being told to you about Jesus is mm -hmm. he being glorified mm -hmm. who is God the Father what is it? how do you come into relationship with him you can test these things it's if all you're about hearing Jesus. anything other yeah. than the truth about Jesus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and him being foremost then you are being deceived that's right absolutely right and if the message it doesn't include Jesus forget it Forget right. it. It's, it can't be from it's God. Because all that's about what him. Testing. It's all about him. Absolutely. Well, I hope that this has helped open somebody's eyes. I hope so, too. Help somebody along uh, to search, search and seek for Jesus, because if you do seek him with all your heart, he will be found by you. Thank you, Dorothy, again. I appreciate this. Always a pleasure. You know, in Psalm 119, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Through God's word we get understanding. We learn what pleases God and what doesn't. The fruitless deeds of darkness include necromancy, and God has forbidden it in every form. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. The dead are gone. Our responsibility is to the living, not the dead. And Jesus' only alternative was, come and follow me. Now, we cannot know what following him consists of without knowing what the Bible says about it. So, put away Mormonism and polygamy and dead works and come and follow Jesus. Only Jesus. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. 
Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.